welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Normal, the Law Careers podcast for students at King's College London. I'm Caroline Lindner, one of the careers consultants for the Dixon Poole School of Law here at King's, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Jonathan Ayer, and let me tell you a little bit more about him. Jonathan, or John as we will call him, studied law at King's College London. Shortly after completing the accelerated LPC at BPP University, John undertook a training contract with the global law firm Norton Rose Fulbright where he completed seats in banking, corporate M&A, employment and disputes. He also spent time on an international secondment to Sydney in Australia. John initially qualified as a corporate employment lawyer and spent a number of years in both private practice and in-house. More recently, he made a career transition to a more generalist commercial role in-house at a global video technology company as the company's first legal hire outside of North America. And we will touch upon that later on in our conversation. But in the meantime, John, thank you very much for joining me today. It's great to have you on Let's Talk Law. Oh, pleasure, Caroline. Nice to be here. Thank you. Great. Well, the first thing I always start off by asking our guests is, is really for their I guess their reasoning for why they chose to study the degree that you did. So why did you choose to study for a law degree at King's? Great place to start. So um, back then, I think, so this is going back, um, gosh, 12, I'll reveal my age, 12, 13 years ago. I think I, I wanted to study something that was pretty broad and a discipline that is centered in sort of logic and problem solving. and. I don't know, I think it suited my personality, the way that I sort of thought about the world at the time. And from my research at that age, I knew that a law degree would still be quite broad um, and useful generally in terms of the skill sets that you'd be able to develop during a, during a law degree. Um, and I guess being so young as well, I was a little bit nervous about doing something extremely specialist. I knew that there were a lot of transferable skills that you could gain from a law degree to take into various career paths. Um, but honestly, I also had in my mind, I think, uh, potential future career options as well. Uh, and I'm happy to share that because I guess I wanted to study something that would have good options in the labour market after you after you graduate. I'd research legal careers. And for me at that time in my life, being, you know, like 19 and from the north of England, it was very exciting to see careers of like going into big law firms, going to the bar, working for the EU. It was all really exciting. Um, so I, I knew that that's sort of where I wanted to be. Um, and I knew that from my research that to be able to experience those types of careers, it would be important to study law somewhere that was well regarded, which King's is. And I also wanted to study somewhere that was physically close to those options too. So that would become kind of become convenient later down the line when I'd start to go, thing, to, go to things like law firm open days. Um, and finally, I think I, I knew that I wanted to study somewhere that had a global community. So with students from across the world, and it would give you that kind of international perspective and diverse opinions. It was really important to me. Um, I'm of a mixed background myself, and I've always been drawn to more diverse environments. So I looked at a few different universities and K King's really seemed to have a track record um, of sending its graduates onto fantastic careers but ticking those other boxes as well that I was looking for in my search. So that was that was it really. How did you go about researching those career options? Because actually once you get to university, you do realise how big the world is and how many directions you could go into. You've obviously gone down the law route, but what did you do about to find, help you to find out a bit more about those different professions and roles that you considered doing? 
Yeah, so before I got to King's, I'd sort of done a bit of research about potential career options in law specifically. So the typical solicitor versus barrister. I mean, that's just like, I'm sure it's still common today and what a lot of your prospective students look at. When I got to university, the options were quite overwhelming. So we had law firms coming onto campus. We had, um, you know, events with different inns of courts. There were people from the European Union who would come and speak to us about potential careers with the EU. Uh, there was all sorts, you know, UK civil service, all of the fast stream, that kind of thing. So there was a, a huge range of options and it was difficult to really know what to focus on. I think I went in and I was pretty much set on doing something in law because it's, it's what I wanted to do. Just didn't really know initially whether it was going to be sort of the bar route or going the kind of solicitor route. Um, I think looking back actually now, it's not a regret necessarily, but maybe advice that I'd give to sort of new students or current students at King's is that just keep an open mind about the careers. You know, there are, there are so many different options out there, even if you, you are doing a law degree, um, many, many employers uh, value the skills that you bring from that degree. Uh, it's a strong course to do. Um, so definitely don't feel that you have to do what everyone else is doing. I'm not saying that I necessarily did that, but Keep, keep an open mind is is what I'm saying. But, um, you know, before I started at King's, I really thought that I wanted to get people itching to go to the bar. Um, it seems to be what everybody else was talking about. And King's had a really, really great um, set of mooting competitions. Sorry, I don't know if that's what they call, call them, mooting competitions or just moots. Um, and I think some were even judged by a former Supreme Court judge. But, you know, in, in the second week, I watched a moot and I thought it was terrifying. I I really did. I just thought, God, I don't have the personality for this. Uh, it wasn't so much the law. I mean, the degree would help you with that. It was just knowing what I know about myself now and that I didn't really know then. So natural introvert, although that's mostly outside of work. There was something that felt deeply, deeply off about standing in front of a full lecture theatre while a judge challenges you on your interpretation of the case law so within two weeks of thinking oh yeah that's maybe an option I'll do I, I knew that it wasn't for me um so back to your question that's a career that I'd kind of considered briefly but it, it didn't go anywhere for those reasons yeah but had you not gone to that you may have gone down that route and got down quite far along without perhaps realizing that wasn't going to play to your strengths so it, the point is it's good to go to these things to to see what what's actually required in reality yeah, right definitely and also like reading you know careers pieces in things like the times or the ft i remember doing that quite a lot at university and meeting people meeting um professionals in the industry so once i decided that muting and the bar was absolutely not for me i started to to meet law firms and it felt more natural so i'd obviously researched the qualification as a solicitor route went to law firm open days, went to drink receptions with law firms and learn about what actually happens in the city. Because I think oftentimes we kind of go into, um, you know, law degrees or, or whatever and, and meet, meet law firms at events, but we don't, I don't think we were necessarily at that stage in our lives. Like when I was 21, 2021, 20, meeting big city law firms, I'm not sure I fully understood what happened in the city. And I knew that I needed to, if I was going to try to get a vacation scheme or continue in the career as a trainee. Um, so, so meeting as many firms as possible, going to as many events as possible, speaking to trainees and associates and partners about the work that they do in a kind of 
less of an abstract way, drilling down into what exactly is a projects lawyer, what exactly is a, a corporate M&A lawyer, what, what do you do? So I, I would go and ask these questions and um, try to, to find out as much as possible. So I'd just say networking at, at that early stage of the career, even if it's not going to necessarily land you with a job, which is probably not going to at that very early stage, just getting information and understanding the industry and the people who work in it as much as possible is is probably what I'd focus on. Um, so yeah, going to to open days, open evenings, really good preparation. Um, you'll get to meet people at those events. Um, so make the most of it. And King's at that time, and I'm sure it's still the case today, because of how close the university is to the law firms and the fact that the people in the career service, such as yourself, Caroline, have these strong connections with law firms, it was invaluable. So looking back at your time at King's, what are your overriding memories or thing you think about most when you think back to, to studying here? I have a lot of very, very good memories about King's, like some of my best memories. I think it was just a happy place, to put it simply, and a happy time. Um, I met some really great people, like-minded people. Um, the academic delivery was excellent. There were talks you could attend all the time, and it was the very heart of Legal London. Um, there was always something exciting going on. The professors, the teaching staff, they were so accessible and they were just um, brilliant in their fields. Um, it was a very sociable place. There was always something going on. Fellow students were from all over the world. A lot of students from Commonwealth jurisdictions who wanted to train in English law and take that expertise home. You know, an, an interesting story actually, just as I was finishing at King's, they were opening Somerset House up. So is the law school. And I volunteered when I was at King's as a sort of student representative ambassador. So doing tours and meeting prospective students and being generally a sort of rep on campus. Anyway, two very special guests opened the building and they were the Queen and Prince Philip. And I have to be honest with you, I've never been much of a monarchist. In fact, I'd say I'd lean more towards being fairly indifferent about the royal family. But as I was inside the building and there were these huge crowds outside, um, I, I met the Queen very briefly, and that was a, a special, a special day, and a, and a very fond memory that I have of Kings. I think more generally, you know, I was involved in the Pro Bono Society. I took on this project where I helped a former inmate of a supermax prison who'd been held in solitary confinement, spread awareness of his experience in 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 the UK. That was fun. Um, there's also the wonderful memories of the waterfront bar, and I don't know if it's still there, but the Two Two's nightclub. You know, they they were you know very fond memories that I have that I have of the university. Um, and you know, the course generally, the law degree at Kings, it was rigorous. It was fun. I really enjoyed the optional modules um, that they offered. So I studied more kind of commercially focused topics, which would help with the career. So things like EU competition law, commercial law, IP. I loved it. Um, and I, I think they had, and I'm sure they still have, um, a brilliant career service that had, so, as I said, had so much knowledge and tailored advice around legal careers. I remember Helen, who was, I think, your predecessor, and who you know very well, sitting down with me before I had an interview for a VAC scheme at Norton Rose and, and running a mock interview. And honestly, that one hour of time was so valuable. I went in feeling a lot more at ease. Um, you know, I'm, I'm someone that has not had, you know, family members who've worked in the profession or jobs like this. And 
didn't necessarily have that kind of professional and cultural capital to just kind of go in, glide in, as so many people seem to, or at least I felt that they were doing that. Um, and yeah, I went in feeling more at ease. I ended up getting the VAC scheme at the end of that interview. And actually, it had such a huge effect on the direction of my life. You know, I went on to the VAC scheme six months later, had a great time, led to getting a training contract offer at the end of that, did the training contract, stayed on as an associate, and then so on and so forth. And so I'm not sure how many university career services are able to offer that. Um, and they're very well connected to the law firms too. So that that's another really fond memory I have of, of on the side of doing all of your studying and working hard for your degree, you know, getting as much help as possible from the career service and the career service being able to offer that. It was it was fantastic. Well, that's wonderful to hear. Obviously, as a member of the careers team, I'm delighted to hear that. And um, you touched upon the fact that we know that you obviously went on to work at Norton Rose, Fulbright as they became. But let's talk about the stage before that. So you had mm -hmm. to do the what was called the accelerated LPC at BPP before you began your training contract. So how did you find that? That was intense. And um, you know. I'm not going to sugarcoat that experience. It was six months. So the accelerated LPC is, is six months as opposed to, I think it's 10, 12 for the, for the normal course. And it's fast. So I, I started that straight after graduating, um, straight after graduation. So I think the graduation ceremony from King's was on like the Friday. And then we were at BPP University, as it's now called, on the Monday, meeting our future colleagues uh you know doing all the orientation and introduction sessions and it's fast uh, in some ways that's um I, i've kind of framed it slightly in a slightly negative way because it was so intense but there's a massive positive to that as well because you get through it quickly you can then start your what's actually your career which is starting at northern rose fulbright and going on and doing the training contracts pretty quickly and, and obviously by the stage as well having been through three years of university you're keen to, and you're in a really fortunate place to have a job lined up, which a lot of people, you know, may not be so fortunate to have that. You, you're quite keen to start making money as well. So in a way, it's positive that you get that over with very quickly. And the support is fantastic at BPP University. It's a great place. And the, uh, the, the teaching staff are supportive, but you have to be prepared for a change in pace, I think, because the pace of the university at least when I was at King's it was it was fast and it was manageable but when you go onto something like the accelerated LPC it's much more like a kind of job I mean it's not it wasn't you know, unmanageable levels of work it was actually quite civilized like you know you'd be working nine to six most days but the exams were happening pretty frequently I mean there's always an exam or a mock exam happening from my memory when I was at BPP um was it good preparation for the training contract um, yes, I think it was a good bridge to starting it. Maybe not necessarily in terms of the content. Um, some of it was useful, I would say, but in terms of making that bridge from university into the workplace, it was probably quite useful. It was just something that we all had to do. Yeah, you have to do it. And obviously now with the LPC still being around, but more people will be doing the SQE. And that will be similarly an intense process. And we mm. know that some law firms are adding more content to it as they did at Norton Rose Fulbright for the Accelerated LPC. So yes. tell us about your training contract. Uh, that's where I first had the pleasure of meeting you. Uh, what were the most challenging aspects and perhaps again, what were some of your highlights, Johnny? Yeah, so I mean, challenging aspects. 
Um, we'll start with that first, get get that out of the way and then focus on all the wonderful stuff that happened um, in the two years there. So I'd, I'd say it was that first seat, the first six months. I think that was hard. Um, that was really hard. I think it was a huge, I think it was just a huge shock. Um, you know, you've accomplished some so much very quickly at university and getting the training contract and doing the LPC that you maybe don't fully anticipate what being a working professional in the city is going to be like and then bang it's day one in shipping finance something like that you know it it can be a shock and you know I look back now eight nine years later and I just think gosh at 2022 23 you're incredibly young you know um and to just land in this enormous law firm in a very busy seat with no real kind of practical experience of how to function in an office how to manage you know the purchase of a ship or releasing a mortgage over a ship or whatever it was it's it's a shock um and you add on to all of that you know long days and i mean very long days and getting to know your colleagues working with a range of personalities plus whatever you're going through you know in your life outside of work it it, it was tough and i thought i'd made a terrible mistake when i first started i really did uh, and I, I struggled through those first six months. I thought, gosh, what have I done? Like, I don't know if this is for me. Um, and I'm, I, I'm kind of okay to admit all this. I mean, for so long, you just kind of pretend it's all, you know, fine. But actually, it's the start of a very serious career. And it was challenging. And it's okay to admit that it, there was a steep learning curve. Um, and just, as I said, knowing how to function in the office. And you know, it, it it was a steep learning curve, and I think it's just I I think you just have to kind of prepare yourself for that at least the first six months. Towards the end of that period, though, I started to feel like it was all clicking, and I could see the all of the kind of useful feedback and skills that I'd sort of learned in those six months working with my supervisor. Got a great appraisal at the end of the seat, and felt like I'd my supervisor done a great job in giving you the fundamental trainee skills that you take away to the next seat. But those first six months, it's a training ground, right? Like, I mean, you, you've worked closely with trainee development and you see those first six months and people going in, but it was, yeah, it was a shock to the system. <laughs> I don't know if you, if that's something you hear from other trainees in your work, but I maybe hadn't sort of prepared myself for that. So a steep learning curve, but then after that first seat, things um, were a joy, they really were. I mean, it's a fantastic firm, international law firm. It's um, got good good people, really great people in, in lots of different departments. I loved the employment team I went to after that first seat. So going from finance to employment was just like, you know, it's like comparing apples and oranges, totally different vibe, totally different work. It was much more advisory. And then I loved the dispute seats. Um, I did that out in Australia. And then I did corporate M&A when I get back and got back and I love that too. So, um, you know, overall, it was a, a really, really fun two years. And I made some friends for life that I, I, I still, you know, in touch with to this day. So it was a brilliant experience and a great place to start a, a career. But there were challenges too at the beginning, uh, getting off the ground, um, which I'm sure, sure you see in, in, in lots of trainees that you come across. <laughs> yes, and I, but I think it's, you know, thank you for being so candid and honest, um, uh, because it is a steep learning curve. And I think as you go through, it's like going from school to university, it's mm -hmm. a big, steep learning curve. And as you said, the challenge of doing the more vocational course after your law degree 
is very different and one that I know some people really struggle with. They just either don't enjoy it as much or it's, you know, they know it's not a means to an end, but they know they have to do it. Um, yeah, the trading contract is it's two years. It's demanding. Um, so thank you for your candor. And I'm really pleased also, of course, that there were highlights there and you ended up qualifying into employment. So what was it about employment law that attracted you? Yeah, so I mean, I struggled to decide between corporate and employment. So I, I came back from Australia, um, did my corporate seat. And that was my final seat where I think by that point, most trainees have kind of settled in. They kind of know what they're doing. They're also kind of focusing on where they might want to qualify afterwards. And it was only in my corporate, that last seat, the corporate seat, where I really had a struggle to decide between do I do this, which I was loving. I loved working on the deals. I had a great time in that team. Um, or do I go to employment, which is the second seat I did during my training contract and sat with this very kindly partner who, when we weren't having a laugh we were just working on some really interesting projects um so there was that kind of fork in the road kind of situation in life that you know we find ourselves in frequently um and i think the reason why that was difficult was the legal career paths that are offered by law firms i think are set up to kind of determine your lifelong specialism at the beginning of your career and I have a bit of a problem with that like I think law firms could be doing so much more to allow people to work cross-function or gain experience in different departments and you know have slightly more general experience but they're not set up like that you you do have to specialize so that was scary if you're like 22 23 and you're you're just starting your career to then suddenly think oh gosh um this is something I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life like it's you know there's something about unsettling about that I think um, but the advice I got was to just go with it and go with what you, your kind of heart tells you you should do. And I, I had had a wonderful time in the employment team, you know, I liked the advisory nature of it, um, and the switching gears. So you could be, yeah, that team actually is, it was a kind of corporate support, more of a corporate support team. So they, they would do the employment advice for the big deals that were coming through the firm. So there was a heavy focus on M&A and outsourcing, but there were also the advisory aspects to it. So like, you know, um advising on investigations grievances day-to-day employment kind of stuff that would come through so i like that mixture um and i thought the people aspects of it was was interesting it's very different to anything that i'd done during my training contract which had that very heavy finance and corporate focus um so yeah that's that's sort of how i made that move into that department and i stayed there for uh two and a half years after qualification um had a great time had great colleagues the work was great, um, but yeah, I, I ended up making a move out of private practice. Um, and and, and let's explore in-house. that a little bit more because you know that yeah. that's actually that's not unusual. I've seen lots of people actually. I remember other people in your intake taking a similar path. Mm. But for our listeners, why did you decide to move away from private practice at that stage in your career? Yeah. Which you know you were still, as you say, quite early on as a practicing lawyer, as a qualified lawyer. You decided to move away from traditional private practice so why so yeah I moved I moved in-house around must have been the four and a half PQE mark so in the grand scheme of things yeah that is early um I mean some people do join on qualification I see that much more commonly I see some people who train in-house even but yeah that like relative to the length of the career yeah it's quite an early stage to to be making them even house but 
the, the reasons that I wanted to do that, where I wanted to be closer to, to the business. I think in private practice, so, so I think I kind of had gone as far as I wanted to in private practice, if I'm honest. Um, I, I just, I think at that stage, wanted a bit of a change of scenery. And I had sort of decided that private practice was not sort of for me forever. And that, that's kind of the honest, the, the honest answer to that. Um, in private practice, you tend to be a little bit removed from the long-term kind of goals of like your clients. You will come in and advise on a particular project or support a, a deal or a case, whatever, and then it's gone. I, I kind of wanted to be attached to a single business and see through the long-term objectives of, of it and, and be close to whatever the product was. Um, and I, I, yeah, I think in private practice, you can start to feel like you're quite hyper-specialized by the time you're sort of mid-level associate and you have to decide whether that's for you. And for me, it wasn't. Um, and, and there's big differences between working at a law firm and as an in-house lawyer that sort of attracted me as well. So that that's kind of the re the main reasons uh, why. And, and let's explore what those differences are because again I know some of our students here at King's are, are weighing that decision up themselves now do I go back to private practice that I've taken a bit of a break from do I go in-house or you know what what actually does that mean so what are some of the main differences well I think there's the usual kind of traits like in-house you're a cost center which you know you are but you're also much more than that um and then also things like the work-life balance. And I don't think that that's necessarily true. I mean, you have to work just as hard, if not harder in-house because there's the constant demand for the support. And there's, you know, you're always accountable. You're always on in some respects. So I, I don't think that they're necessarily true. I think for me, what I'd say is the biggest difference is that you're just not the product anymore when you go in-house. Um, in law firms, the product is the output of the lawyers, which is measured in billable time. And that that's the, the sort of hard, economic output of a law firm is the product of its, its lawyers. As an in-house lawyer, you're not the product anymore, but if you choose the right business in the role, then you're up front with the business everything you do, and you're really helping to drive and influence strategy. Uh, I, I really do believe that. There's a shift in risk aversion too, I would say. So many private practice lawyers tend to be extremely risk averse, and it's drilled into you from day one. So many what-if situations kind of what I'd say slightly catastrophic thinking. I think it's very unhealthy, but I can understand why it's needed from the private practice side. In-house, you have to have, you, you kind of have to help the business get to yes, but without taking on unreasonable amounts of risk. Because the fact is, I think risk is everywhere. It's really about managing or mitigating it. You're never going to eliminate it in life generally. I mean, I'm risking my computer blowing up or teams crashing while we're talking today. Uh, I could decide, oh, well, I'll just go make a cup of tea then instead. And the kettle might explode. <laughs> and so <laughs> on. So you, you, you can't really think like that in-house. And the business needs clear answers as well. So I, I guess what you, what I found anyway, is letting go of the slightly more academic, technical aspects to the career. And you start to think and advise in much more commercial and strategic ways. And for me, that's not more rewarding. Um, it tends to be my one wish for outside counsel. I mean, there are some brilliant, brilliant law firms out there that we use. But what I would say to them is just try and understand us, our business, what we're trying to do, what we're trying to achieve. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of my answer. I think the, the two things, the, the, the shift in what is the product and also the shift in how you're 
approach to risk, how you're approaching risk. It, it, it's for me the two biggest differences to getting in-house. You work with a bigger range, a much broader range of people as well in-house, I would say. So um, every day I'm working with not just my colleagues in the legal team, but also people in you know, sales professionals, marketing professionals, people in engineering and product. I really appreciate that kind of range of people that I'm working with. Um, in, in a law firm, you do have business support services, but primarily, as I said, because your lawyers tend to be the product, the output of the lawyers is the product, it's clearly a law firm is going to be full of lawyers. And um, that's not a problem. Lawyers are brilliant. A lot of my friends are lawyers. Actually, most of my friends, well, not most, a lot of my friends are lawyers. Um, I, I, I think I just wanted to try to work with a, a broader range of people, get a broader range of, range of perspectives. Um, and in-house as well, I think there are so many businesses who are doing exciting things. So, for example, what I'm doing today, which is working at a video technology company, it's exciting. I could never have imagined, you know, eight, nine years ago when I was sitting in shipping finance that I'd be, you know, a lawyer in a video technology company in a SaaS, in a SaaS company. It's, 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 a, it's a big transition. It's a big change, but it's happened over a number of years. Um, but it has also kind of confirmed to me that there are so many different options out there. Um, yeah. And you may have already answered um, my next question, um, but what advice would you give to someone who is considering that move in-house? Yeah, so I would do it fast if you know it's for you. So I, I don't think that you need to wait around for years. I think there's a lot of, when I was in private practice anyway, uh, you know, a lot of the associates would be thinking about, should I go in-house? People would say, well, you should stay for four or five years and then do it because you've got good private practice experience. I don't think that's true. I think if you know it's for you, do it. I mean, don't don't weigh up the pros and cons, but don't obsess over the risks. Um, I think lawyers, as I said, very risk averse bunch. We can get stuck in the what ifs and weighing up the pros and cons and maybe never really kind of taking action. But I think if you know it's for you, if you think what I've sort of said about the difference between private practice and in-house is more interesting, just do it. Um, thoroughly research the, the organization and legal team because these can be really different from one organization to another. So your experience in-house in a huge bank is going to be very different to joining a small legal team in a SaaS company. So neither is better, it's just what you would prefer. Yeah. The other thing that I would say is when you're doing your research and you're meeting in-house legal teams, um, be really clear about what kind of in-house experience you want. So there are some very large companies that have large legal in-house legal teams, and they've been set up that way for a reason. And it's because they are trying to, and this is the honest answer, they're trying to insource legal work and take it away from outside counsel and have sort of, you know, lawyers on the more junior end do that and, and be wary of that because that sort of in-house experience is going to be very different to as i said kind of going to a smaller company where it's lean you're going to be involved across the business you'll have much more of a bird's eye view about what the business is doing if you're if if, if an in-house team is basically in source legal work you're going to be performing a very similar role to, to what you're, you've been doing in private practice and the structure of that team is probably going to reflect almost like a mini law firm. And that just may not be what you want. So I, I do your research thoroughly as you're going through the process and just decide on what kind of like in-house experience you, you're, you're wanting. Um, going with an open mind, 
Um, but yeah, just know exactly what kind of experience you want. Um, because yeah, sort of just deciding in house, you know, you may you may not actually be getting what you want from that experience in the end. Great piece of advice. So let's talk about what you're doing at the moment. So mm. you, in your own words, as you described it, you have pivoted uh, into your current role at Brightcove. Um, tell us more about it. Yeah, so, I mean, I really wanted to get even closer to the business and the product. And I kind of knew that may not happen in a specialist in-house role. So I knew that I needed to generalise and it, it might seem uncommon to do this if you're a specialist but I was looking out for just kind of general in-house roles really in, in tech specifically because they tend to have exciting products they tend to have more relaxed working cultures um, and I saw a role that looked like that was exactly what I was looking for on LinkedIn which is a great resource now um, a lot of companies advertise directly on LinkedIn um, so you, you know you may be approached by recruiters for roles that they're sort of sort, they're sort of paid to sell to you. But with LinkedIn, you can sort of choose what type of opportunity you want to go for. Um, so that's sorry, it's just a side comment about how powerful LinkedIn is. But I'd heard of Rightcove before, and even though they're in the B2B space, I mean, I had heard of them um, a bit about us. So uh, we're a global video technology company. We're based in Boston in the US, but we've got operations and customers across the world. I mean, honestly, it's global with a capital G. It's amazing. I mean, our core business is a cloud-based video platform, which allows customers, which tend to be very large enterprise and media customers. Some we've got some huge names on our books. Um, it allows them to engage their audiences through video, monetize their content and convert their prospects. So we've got solutions for marketing, e-commerce, internal comms, live streaming of events, uh, data analytics uh, in a single video platform. So that's the core of our business. And um, they were looking to hire someone in the UK to support their global operations. So I'm a wonderful small team of lawyers that are based in the US. So I'm the first um, hire outside of the US. But the role that I perform is a mixture of supporting our sales org on revenue deals. So that's where, when I say revenue deals, I mean, selling our software to these big customers along with some general commercial support on the whole range of matters including bigger picture stuff like uh, advising on the impact of sanctions on our business ESG um, just generally helping to reduce friction across the business when working with legal so developing playbooks that sort of thing automation I also support our international HR colleagues on kind of global people matters I'm still dabbling in employment stuff I haven't let it go completely uh, still find it fun it's just in a slightly different context. Um, so I've been here for what's four months. Feels like I've been here forever though. I mean, honestly, it's been a blast. The team are just great. My colleagues are great. I work with really smart people. And as I said, a range of people too, which was really important to me. Um, and yeah, it just has met sort of all my expectations in terms of what I was looking for in terms of making the pivot, um, branching out, becoming more of a generalist. Um, it's a hugely different experience to being in-house, as I said, in the company I was at before is was very different. It's a very, very large uh, multinational company, but it had a very large legal team. So the, ex the experience is very different. Um, I'm finding it very rewarding. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's a quite a big pivot if you've been specialized in something for a number of years, but it's achievable, I would say, if that's, if that's where your 
what you want to do with your career, I'd, I'd say it's achievable. And I know you've made a, a, pivot, a bit of a pivot too, Caroline. So uh, I certainly have. We are definitely in the, in the same pivot club in that respect. So <laughs> I'm I'm a huge fan of that. Um, you mentioned a couple of times during the course of our conversation, John, that um, you know working with diverse people and in a diverse environment has been important to you. And, you know, you said that with regards to choosing the university you went to and obviously the organisation you're now at. Uh, you're now working at um, and you've been in the legal sector for a while now so you have seen over the course of years number of years that the legal sector has definitely made great strides to be more inclusive so for example for people of colour and for those identifying as LGBTQIA what's your personal experience been? Yeah I think there have been positive steps taken I mean when I was at Norton Rose Fulbright um, where I went for the vacation scheme there, I reached out to a couple of, um, I think it was a couple of associates who had started um, the first kind of, I think it was a social group for employees who identify as LGBTQIA. And I just kind of said, hey, do you want to meet up for a coffee? And it was only two people at that time. It was very small. But by the time I left the firm, they were running the biggest events in the firm. And you and I would kind of go, for a drink, meet up at these big pride yeah. events. And it had become, it had been, I mean, it has always, it, when I was doing my vaccine, when I was doing the trading contract, it had always been a very inclusive firm. But by the time I left the firm, it was like, it, we had so many different employee resource groups set up. So there was pride, there was shine, there was um, all sorts going on. And that is an example of a firm taking, taking true diversity inclusion matters seriously. And having allies you know really strong allies as well yeah. um you know partners who would be so visible to whichever community you're identifying as a part of and you know lending their voice lending their support to that cause was was extremely important um so i i have have seen that in private practice at least in the firm that i trained at whether that's the case across the across the sector i'm not sure um I know that just very anecdotally, a lot of junior lawyers who are kind of going in in house, um, particularly my network that that I have, um, I see a lot of diversity at that kind of level, like going the in house route. I don't know if that's because they see kind of going in house as attracting or, you know, having a, a wider range of voices and a more representation. I'm, I'm not sure, but it, it, there is improvements in diversity at the more junior end of the. Of the sector but at the top i'm not i'm not so sure um so i've seen some positive developments we um yeah that's that's kind of what i'd say yeah and, and actually i'm going to ask you um the next question which is uh, i guess if you know with the benefit of um you had a magic wand i guess if there was one thing you could change about law careers or law firms or the legal industry as a whole what would it be and why yeah, I'd say broader experiences and the ability to, I think I touched on this earlier, but the ability to advise cross-discipline and function. So law firms are a great place to start a legal career. They really are. But I wish that they would stop pigeonholing people at the beginning of their careers because it's a very, very long career. Yes. You know, I mean, if, as I said in, earlier on, if you're 22, at 23, 24, whatever age, and you may not be that age, by the way, though, because you know it's it's a, it's a diverse profession. We have people from 
different stages of their life training. I mean, there were quite a few people on my intake who were sort of mid, mid-career or switching careers entirely. But at the start of the career, you know, it, it's scary to think oh, I'm going to be a tax lawyer for the rest of my life. Yeah. Or I'm going to just be a projects lawyer. And it can be a lot, you know, if it's your first job, especially, and you've just left university to then think, gosh, this is, this is it for the next 30, 40 plus years. We're all going to yeah. be working longer. It, it, it can be a bit overwhelming at first to kind of sort of, you know, process that. But, you know, what I'd say in response is that you can shape your career the way that you want to. So I'm an example of that. I sort of started with something, but I've transitioned into something a lot more generalist, which is exactly what I wanted to do. But you have to take responsibility for that because law firms will ask you to specialise early on. They will ask you to pick a department and that's kind of what you will be. And I do wish there was more ability to, yeah, work across discipline, not even just between legal departments, but with the business. I think it's so important too. respecting business services staff. They do a phenomenal job. Business development is so important and they get a bad rep in law firms, you know, that they're not lawyers. So they're, they're not kind of worth the same, which is just rubbish, you know, it, it's it's so important to have a strong business services support um, team in a law firm because they are supporting us to win business and it's just very important. So, I mean, or, or getting experience like legal operations, which is also extremely topical, legal technology. You know, I, I think, it, I, I, I hope that that it becomes an option one day, at this, you know, when you're doing a training contract. I know some training contracts you can now focus on like legal or legal technology too, but you know just the ability to kind of experience a, a wider range of uh, you know a slightly wider um perspective have a wider perspective of the legal industry as a whole i think would be really helpful um it will helpful in your future career when you branch out or you go on and do something else after you leave the law firm but um it it, it would just kind of stop the sort of over specialization pigeonholing that does tend to happen in law firms at a very 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 early age of someone's career um so yeah that would it be could well. also help with retention as well couldn't it because we do see i mean it's i'm not saying this because it's a new phenomenon mm-hmm. it's been happening for years now that some people will stay at that firm or they'll you know progress and they'll become specialized in something they absolutely love doing but there are lots of people that do leave their firm about two years post-qualified and that's that's not doesn't seem to have changed too much since certainly in my you know my experience so that might help wouldn't it with retention it might help if people are so. given a broader experience maybe I, I mean who I, knows I think so I think so and it, it's a shame that 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 does happen because there is an enormous amount of investment that does go into yeah. we're talking in this we're talking in the city context yes but there is a, an enormous amount of investment that does go into someone's training and training program to leave it to PQE I don't know if you're recovering that investment at all you probably not um so if it can help from a retention perspective where someone's at TPQ and they think, oh gosh, I, I'm not sure if I want to continue being a litigator. Um, are there any other options within this firm, within yeah. this business? That could be really, really helpful. Unfortunately, a lot of people find that they get to that stage and they're just at the crossroads and they, they haven't had experience of other things during the training yeah. necessarily and they feel that they have to kind of continue on this path or leave the law entirely. So. I think you're absolutely right. It could help from a retention perspective, um, but also just I, I think where I was coming from, just having more rounded people in our industry. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I totally agree with you on that. Um, and John, we've come to our last question, which I can't believe it's uh, fantastic speaking with you. And again, you've given some great ex examples of um, things that you've done during your career and given some great advice. But to finish off, what practical steps can students take to help them to follow the right career path for them? Yeah, I mean, if you're at university and you have a fantastic career service like King's does, then talk to them and make use of them, I think is my biggest piece of advice because they're there and they want to help you and they have fantastic networks. They know an awful lot about how law firms work. I mean, um, you, Caroline, you worked in Orton Rose for many years, senior positions, and you know how, how these businesses work. They are, they are businesses at the end of the day. And, you know, you should be able to, if you're at university and you have the time and you're thinking about pursuing a legal career or a career, they can tell you, yes, this may, this may be an option for you, or you may want to think about X, Y, Z. Um, talk to people in the profession. So go to open days, um, talk to the associates. They'll be probably more candid than the partners will be, but talk to as many people as possible. Um, and I, I think finally, I would just keep an open mind. So I sort of touched on this before, but yeah, don't just do what everyone else is doing. You'll be miserable if you do that. Keep, keep a really open mind about other potential options in law, outside of law, within the law. It's a lot broader than I thought it was. So when I started my journey, you know, 12, 13 years ago, whatever it was, I thought, oh, it's just a list for embarrassment. Well, it's not. It's there's all sorts of stuff out there. And I, I, I'm not in legal tech or anything like that, but that seems to be very popular legal operations. Um, what I've done is neither. I mean, I'm not sort of formal solicitor as I as I was when I was in private practice. I'm kind of slightly more in a you know, strategic commercial kind of in-house legal role, um, but it's very different to the type of solicitor role that I was performing before. And I'm not embarrassed to say. I mean, it, yeah, there's all sorts of different options. So you just have to go in with an open mind. Try not to panic too much about where you may end up. Um, I had that problem, I think, during my journey. I've sort of touched on it in this interview, but worrying about you know being sort of you know, qualifying as something and being that forever, it's its not the case. Um, if you're proactive about where your career goes, I think just, yeah, try to chill out and enjoy the ride. <laughs> it's yeah. Maybe something I haven't been able to do, but I, I hope I'm trying to do a bit more these days. Yeah, well, what a great note to end on. And I really like that you said, you know, at the end of the day, it's about taking responsibility for your choices, which is what we try to encourage and support our students to do. So we have come to the end of our time together, John, but before I let you go, I, I do want to remind our listeners that we'll be back soon with a new episode of Let's Talk Law. But in the meantime, and on behalf of our listeners, um, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been wonderful chatting with you. Really appreciate you giving us your valuable time. And it, it's such a broad um, you know, interview and, and sharing your journey so far. So we hope we will make, welcome you back to King's in person very, very soon. I love that. It's, um, yeah, really nice to speak to you, Caroline. And, um, yeah, we'll talk soon.